We've all been in a position where someone has asked us if travel agents still exist. Many times it feels impossible to summarize everything that a travel advisor does in the few seconds that we have to respond to that question. More than that, it can be challenging to resist responding in a defensive way. It's obvious to us that travel advisors don't only have an intimate knowledge of their selected niche, foster in-destination relationships, and provide a seamless experience for planning, but travel advisors also assist in avoiding mass disasters before they occur or before clients know about it and manage those behind-the-scenes crises. Today, we're talking through how you can articulate your value to someone who may just not get it. If you've stumbled over explaining why someone should work with an advisor versus booking a trip on their own, this episode is for you. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency, and now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine, so pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. First, we are going to discuss the evolution of the industry in recent years, as well as how the internet has changed the climate of the role of a travel advisor. It's really interesting because I think that tenured advisors can get a bad rap for resisting change, but I think anyone that's been in a very seasoned role can understand that they think that the way they've done something previously is just like the better way of doing it. For those advisors who preceded online travel agencies, so OTAs, or now we've got the evolution of AI. So the advisors that were not even utilizing internet, and for the sake of it, we'll call them agents because that's what they were at that time. Like brick and mortar, people would come in, they would pick from a pamphlet, someone would talk about it. I don't know how much traveling travel agents typically did. Like, I don't know the history of that and how like much in-destination experience. From my knowledge, those brick and mortar advisors tended to be more domestic based. And maybe that's a wrong assumption. So feel free to chime in in the comments on the blog on this, because I'd love to hear from someone like if they were doing FAMs actively prior to the actual internet. But with the evolution of the internet now, everyone thinks they're their own travel advisor. Like I can do it myself, I can book it myself, and I can look at reviews. Why wouldn't I trust a review? Like we all know that some reviews are paid. So we have a sense of awareness, like don't believe everything you read. Like there's a lot of fake news out there. But to the typical consumer, that's not normal knowledge. Like that's just not an obvious statement. We know that there have been times where a hotel's not even open yet and somehow they have 80 reviews that are five-star reviews and we're like, wait, what? They haven't even opened their doors. So obviously there's a muddying of the waters when it comes to online review consumption. So as travel advisors and truly stepping into that advising role, we need to know how do you overcome the internet OTAs, and now as we face AI, so artificial intelligence where people can type in, give me an itinerary to Italy for nine nights with local experiences and boutique hotels, and it spits out this itinerary. How do we differentiate ourselves? And so we're going to dive into a lot of that because all of those changes have made booking travel on your own incredibly well, I don't want to say easy, appear to be incredibly easy. And we want to discuss the drawbacks and limitations because those are the things that you need to have at the ready when someone says, do travel agents even exist? And it's always that they say travel agents because that is the term. I feel like it was my big fat Greek wedding when like that's the the perception of travel agents and travel advisors is like someone sitting in a call center with, you know, a headset on and they're just taking orders essentially of a destination. And we all know that the scope of the role has drastically changed with COVID. It's drastically changed with DMCs and just the 
desire to experience local things rather than sightsee, which is a major shift in travel itself as well. Like I would think to when my parents would talk about traveling and it would be very sightseeing focused. Like I want to see this, this, this. There was no like, I want to experience this cooking class or go to a local farm or see how something is organically grown and the state sustainability practices of <laughs> this hotel. Travel. It was like, I want to go to Rome. Cool. You'll see the Colosseum, the Trevi Fountain, this, 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 and then you'll move on. It wasn't anything diverse. It wasn't anything necessarily authentic the way it is now. And that's what people keep craving. It's like, oh, I want to be like a local. And those were like people were staying at a Sheraton and they were getting on a double-decker bus tour in terrible traffic for cities that simply could not sustain a double-decker bus tour. (laughs) So it has obviously changed, but it's our role to be able to articulate what a travel advisor does and the differences that we can make in being champions of the destination and being allies for the traveler when those situations that are challenging do arise, but also talking through how you can avoid those bloopers, I guess, for lack of a better term, happening before they even do happen. So we're going to first start out and talk about the human touch and obviously how working with a real person can differentiate your experience from good to great. Because I think a lot of people have had good trips and they are like, I don't need a travel advisor. I've had amazing trips. And it's like, cool. I'm sure you could have good trips, but let me talk to you about the difference of going from like that amazing trip to a spectacular trip. 100%. I think this is the most obvious thing to talk about whenever somebody's like, oh, like, why should I book with you? That's everyone's most common answer, right? Like I am a person, I am not Expedia. I'm not an online booking site. I'm there when things go wrong and all of that kind of stuff. But truly, let's just be honest. People can book travel without an advisor. People don't need us. Just like people can buy a house without a realtor. However, the human touch and the ability to like advocate for clients and like protect their trip with that human layer is the reason that I think travel advisors have been able to survive things like COVID. And I mean, 9-11, when everything came to a ground stop and travel was incredibly scary for people, we came out and we're still here. So the human touch is just something that can't be replicated by machines as much as AI will try. It's just not something that you're going to be able to get with booking direct or not working directly with somebody. So I think that personalized service, and I go back to this all the time, like not everyone's your client. Not every trip is needed for a travel advisor, frankly. That's the boat I'm in. Like I don't think that I need to book your domestic vacation because I can do that myself. And you can probably do it yourself, especially if it's a one-stop shop. There will be advisors out there who are like, oh my God, you're so wrong. And that's fine. You can think I'm wrong on this. But I don't think every single trip requires a travel advisor. However, just like every single house, like if my house is like, you know, small, I'm going to, you know, probably sell it to somebody I know that maybe a broker or realtor or something isn't necessarily needed in my instance. Maybe my taxes are just a little $2,000 refund and that's all I need. Like when I was in my first job, I didn't need an accountant the way me and Hunter need an accountant for our taxes now. So as we progressed in life and as trips get more and more complex or we're going to destinations that aren't common for us, like we haven't been there before or the budget gets bigger, I think that's when the human touch comes in more and more. Like that is when people will need you more and more because chances are you're not going to roll the dice and gamble on a $25,000 Italy trip right? Like you're not just going to book that by yourself. That doesn't make sense. Like (laughs) it doesn't make sense to be like, oh, I have 25K. Let me just invest it in random things in the stock market. That's a recipe for disaster. Whereas, you know, maybe I can take a thousand dollars and throw it into the stock market and see what happens. So that's kind of where I have always lived. And frankly, I think that's why clients really, really prefer to work with me because I was very honest about this makes sense for us to work together. You going to Orlando, Florida, and me booking it from like your flight in Atlanta does not make sense for us to work together personally because it's more of a headache for me. And it just, if you've been to Orlando multiple times in your life, there's really no reason for me to touch that trip for you. I don't know, John, if you have a different perspective on that, but that's kind of where I stand with trips. Like 
The human touch especially comes in once we get into the people that most travel advisors want to work with, which is the people with high-end budgets, the people going to the cool vacations or they're like the month-long cruises or like the, which I honestly think, I don't think I'd ever book a cruise without a travel advisor because I don't understand them enough. It is a different language, not even close. It makes sense. Like cruises are hard. So like, I think there's things like that where it's like, this is outside my scope. Like this doesn't make sense for me or my budget is so inflated that I truly need an advisor in this role to help me feel better about the investment. That's where I feel like we really, the human touch really comes into play. I think it depends on the person because I am who I am. I would get this wounded feeling that people would book the Atlanta to Orlando and stay, (sighs) even if they're staying at Disney, but they're not going to Disney. I'd be like, why wouldn't you book that through me? But that was in some respects selfish because maybe they have points or like, I don't know their story. And anytime I said something, and I feel like people can relate to this. Anytime I said something, I'm like, I wish you'd let me know. I would have loved to help you book that. There was always a reason why they didn't. And it was a very justified reason. It would be something like, oh, we had points or, oh, work was paying for it. So obviously I was talking to the right people because they had real reasons why they weren't working with me. But I do believe that even in those domestic stays, someone can complement your stay. For example, like if I were going to White Barn Inn and I didn't book with a virtuoso advisor, or I I actually don't even know their current stance with virtuoso. I feel very confident they are, but it's an Arbeirish property. But if I am staying at a luxury destination like Little Palm Island or an Arbeirish property and it's a leisure trip, I do believe there's value in working with an advisor where I think it becomes more burdensome for the advisor than what it's worth is when someone is going to, I think of like when I went to your wedding, I I booked a very functional hotel. It wouldn't have been worth the commission for someone to take the time to even put in their IATA number online and then track down the check when it inevitably didn't come on time. So you do have to weigh the pros and cons. And if someone doesn't want to book the smaller trips with you, that's fine because it opens you up to the bigger trips. Like I think I would get so hung up on these small minor trips and trying to get people to work with me that I could get very distracted from the big fish. And that's to me a very good lesson is like, maybe they will come to you for the complex trips, but maybe they just didn't feel they needed you for this. And by not doing that trip, you were opened up to something bigger and you were able to prioritize someone else that paid off in a different way. So I think it boils down to your niche. I also think it very much boils down to your season of your career, because in the beginning, I wanted to promote myself as a resource in any way possible. So a domestic trip where I could like send a note or a bottle of wine, I'm like, it's a foot in the door, you know? So I think it depends on your niche. I think it depends on their intention of the trip, as well as the length of the trip, the complexity of the trip and the return on investment, if it's even worth a planning fee for them. Does this sound familiar? Your social media strategy fails to actually have a strategy. You post in real time because you don't have an easier way. You're living in post and pray mentality that people will finally be served your amazing content. No more. We have a solution and you've probably heard about it already. Our team loves using Planoly for social media planning. Planoly allows us to post at optimal times when our followers are on the platform and batch our content in advance so that we can work smarter, not harder. It's easy to overthink social media and then simply avoid it altogether. You don't need to be intimidated. Just remember that social media is a free marketing resource for you to leverage to build relationships with more of your ideal clients. So let's stop overanalyzing and start intentionally creating posts that reflect your brand. Click the link in our show notes to get started with Planoly today. I agree with that. I remember specifically this, I used to live in Arizona for a minute and this person came to me and they wanted like a Sedona, Grand Canyon situation. And at first I was going to say, absolutely not. Like that's not something I do because I was not focused on that kind of stuff because the commission, (laughs) the commissions were always late and like, I never knew where they, when they were coming, where they were coming. So it's always like, no, but we were able to make it work. And we, they did ended up doing this like luxury glamping experience in the Grand Canyon, which turned out super cool. So I guess, yeah, I, I see that too. 
I think you're thinking of functional trips. And when we think of Orlando, because we're both from Florida, it, it is more functional for us. We're not typically doing the like 10K VIP entry to all the rides and things like that. Like we grew up going to Disney, being there in an hour and sweating your face off because you can't go on blackout dates for Florida residents and then going home. (laughs) Again, that's the only reason we would ever go to Disney is because it was like Florida rates. (laughs) And now they got rid of Florida rates, I'm pretty sure. Like you're just a normal person. Last time I went, I was like showing them my ID and they're like, what am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) I live in this state. Don't you want me the mouse? Like, are you serious? I got so irritated. It was probably a blackout date. (laughs) And we would always have to go in like freaking August when it was the worst time to go to Disney World. My dad hated it. Okay. But actually to that point, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the Disney concept because you mentioned cruises. I have no idea now how to book Disney. I would never go to Disney without going through someone, but If you are a normal consumer, I I don't want to say normal, if you are an average consumer in Orlando that grew up going to Disney World, you think you know Disney World, but you may not know the inner world where we now know that like everything changes and how you get fast passes change. And I don't even think that's the term anymore. And like all of these nuanced things about Disney World it's another language in itself. I think it's way more complex than cruising a lot of the time because the dinner reservations and all of these activities and the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique and like getting in with these things and the character breakfast, like all of that is so demanding on a travel advisor. And if you're not a travel advisor, you don't know when to book those things. And I guarantee you're going to get there and you don't get to do anything you want. So there's a lot of value add for that. But you have to know how to articulate your value when someone's like, well, I I know Disney because we've been the people on the other side that were like, no, we know Disney, but I genuinely don't anymore. And it's changed so much. And I think it's, you can't just assume people know what you offer. And I think sometimes this gets weird for advisors. Like you need to meet your average traveler where they're at and stop assuming they understand the Mm -hmm. dining reservation thing and assuming they understand the value of a a fast pass, if that's what it's called or not. But like, I think sometimes as advisors, it's like, well, how do you not understand what we offer? But like, we don't educate our clients enough on like what the difference is on stuff like that, especially with cruises, especially with Disney. I mean, Europe, you have to flex expertise all the time. It's just knowing that like you're taking the time on social media and through all of your marketing to educate, not enough to book it themselves because people are like, well, I don't want to give away free information. There's power in educating because it's like an endowment effect. Like now people are trusting you. So meeting people where they're at with their knowledge level of travel is super important. When it comes up in conversation, because I will say, I think that we have one of the most inescapable industries. Like if you're going to a party, someone is going to talk to you about your job because travel's fascinating. No one's going to talk to the accountant about accounting. <laughs> like everyone is going to talk to the travel advisor about like, oh, what trips do you have coming up? So lean into those moments when there is that doubt and share a story about how you just save someone's time giving away free advice. I don't think we've ever regretted giving away free advice. We give it away on our social media all the time. Again, we mentioned this on the podcast last time. We give it away on the podcast all the time. It just allows you to show your value to someone. And someone's not going to be like, oh, they they shared one fact with me. I guess I know all the other facts. It's so true. We are so afraid of free advice, but it it's not... It's not not everything. I know. And it is so easy to get tired of talking about our jobs. So like I would find myself and be like, all anyone wanted to talk to me about was travel. And JR, my husband is like, all you ever want to talk about is travel until someone wants to talk travel with you. I'm like, you're right. I do only want to talk about travel in my leisure time, but not, I want to have an option, but not getting defensive in those moments. And being able to remain cool, calm, and collected and say, to me, if someone were to say like, oh, do travel agents still exist? Like, obviously, we're so sick of hearing that. To me, the answer obviously is absolutely. We play a critical part in 
making sure that clients have a fantastic experience. And then in a non-defensive way, and I like to get heated even thinking about it, but leading them to the point of asking like, where have you been that maybe you had not a great experience? And then being able to flex your expertise or saying like, do you have any upcoming trips? I would love to talk to you about it. Giving away the free advice, like you only have something to gain by showing you know something. Now, I'm not saying get into like a competition with the person of like one-upping them on what they know about the destination, but there are so many people that I've gotten into conversations with that planned their own travel that have come back to me afterward and been like, I should have gone with you. And I'm like, yeah, you should have. But don't worry, there's always next time. And the next time you go to that destination, I think you should do this, this, and this. And I would love to help you do it because my connections do these exclusive experiences. Like dangle the carrot rather than shutting down and proving someone wrong. So that's kind of leading into the point that I wanted to touch on, obviously, was knowledge and expertise and being able to highlight the difference of knowledge that you have and sharing it in this very non-confrontational way, in this organic way that allows someone to feel comfortable and not like you're one-upping them or not making them feel stupid, but showing that you're up to date on the latest trends and talking about like maybe a current event that's happening there that maybe they don't know about. I think that's a really easy one if you do stay really up to date on current events and news and things that are going on. Like people are always asking about Mexico. Like what's going on with the safety in Mexico? It's such a good like gateway drug. It's a great transition to talk about how luxury all-inclusives or the Mayakoba complex or you know, whatever it is that you love in Mexico, you've never had any incidents. They have carbon monoxide detectors. Your private transfers pick people up and allow them to get a drink and enjoy the ride in comfort so they're not feeling unsafe in a taxi. Like it's just an opportunity for you to talk about the knowledge that you have in that destination and lead them to the next opportunity. It doesn't even have to be the next trip. It's just like planting a seed. It's always such an interesting conversation because anytime we have these chats about like client pushback almost, not like client objections, but like people confused about what it is we do and offer, it always just takes me back to so many like weird conversations I've had with like friends and family. Because at first, like there was a period of time where I was like, I'm just not going to tell people I book travel because it's like such a weird thing for whatever reason. I just brought <laughs> like, that's your job. What else? I think people think it's like slightly trivial until they experience the difference and someone saving them a lot of money. Agreed. And people think it's like a, a big side hustle, which granted, it's a great side hustle for some people and some people, yeah. they love it as a side hustle and that's great. But yeah, everyone was very confused on like how it was that I was like making money off of it. So. I I think that's a good point too. But my I want to clarify. I just said like saving money. I don't mean by by deals because that's not in our vocabulary that we love to use. We're very like pro value and expertise driven versus this deal of a deal, which is a big transition from the beginning. If you guys have heard us before, you know that like we used to definitely promote deals, but that evolved over time. The reason my mind went to the word money was because I was just at a brewery last weekend and my friends, I had planned their honeymoon to Italy and COVID happened. It was June of 2020. And every time they talk about their trip to someone else, because obviously Italy hotspot right now, like everyone and their brothers in Italy, it feels like They'd be like, oh, yeah, we had a, a trip planned to Italy, but we had to cancel it. What are you guys doing? And it just kind of grew from there. And people inevitably ask, like, why do you have to cancel it? And they always tell people, but we worked with an advisor and we were only out the cost of our insurance, which was really great, which was $430. And people are like, what? I had to cancel something in 2020 and it was thousands of dollars. And there was, you know, your credit card insurance didn't work. And all of these things. And so knowing what we know, people have a very short memory of COVID, of 9-11. And I don't mean in a nostalgic way, like obviously it emotionally hit on people a lot, but the people that were like, I'm absolutely never going to book with Airbnb again, or I'm never going to book airfare without travel insurance again, 
those people have reverted back to their own ways because everything feels super normal and stable right now. And so it's more important for us in times of normalcy to be able to articulate how even in regular times where travel is booming, how we can make sure that people are having seamless experiences. So I think it was very easy for people to articulate their value in 2020. And we're we're getting to a point where people are like, okay, that's three years ago. That would never happen again, right? And it's like, there's just the assumption that nothing catastrophic will ever happen again. But when something catastrophic happens again, our value will be shown again. But it's just like, get comfortable in the normal times showcasing your value because obviously we weren't making money in COVID anyway. So it didn't matter if your value was evident or not. We need to be able to articulate it when things are great. And I think that comes down to like making sure that when you do really showcase your value, whether that's through like saving a client thousands of dollars when they do cancel or whatever it is, like I would keep like almost like a sticky note or like a note on your phone of all those instances so that you like have those antidotes like fresh in your mind. Cause Kind of like what Jen said, everyone has like a two second memory where it's like, oh yeah, I did this amazing thing. And then it's like on to the next trip. But like having those in your back pocket and using them on like your website and like really showcasing your value through those experiences, I think is really powerful, especially in like the sales conversations and like the awareness phase of the buyer's journey so that they're aware of like what it is that you're able to do for them. Because I think that's what it boils down to. It's not about like... (laughs) what you do. It's what you can offer them and like the peace of mind you can give. And so making sure that you're keeping those top of mind or at least organized somewhere, I think would be a really, really awesome way to just... So I love sharing those things in social media, like the compare and contrast almost case studies, because I do think that it educates people a lot on what you can do for them. There was a lot of me sharing, like I just saved someone from this situation and I had a hotel that glitched and canceled a whole family in Ireland's rooms. And I called because I wanted to VIP them and caught it. And if they didn't have a travel advisor, they would have just shown up in Ireland after a flight with a baby and not had any rooms in this like very overbooked situation. But I also, have you watched Ted Lasso? Yeah, of course. When you said that, like people have two second memory, I'm like, be a goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> it's really what it is. Also, this is so random and maybe off topic. Have you noticed more and more influencers are like promoting Airbnb lately? Yeah. It's really, really frustrating. And VRBO. It's making me crazy, which again, for like domestic trips, that's never truly bothered me because like I understand it. I use Airbnb when traveling a lot domestically as well. So like, but it's these people going on these like month long vacations and they're like uh, Airbnb hopping through Europe. And I was like, oh my God, all I can think about is our time in Florence when we had an Airbnb and there was no elevator and we were on like the third floor and had to like lug all of our luggage up. And I was like, oh, this is the worst. But it's just making me so annoyed because I'm like, oh, affiliate. Well, you're not getting a good experience, right? People think they're having a great authentic local experience, but they're in a building with other tourists, just like they would be in a hotel, because now the Airbnb world has taken over where these locals were supposed to live, inflated the pricing, and now locals can't even afford to live in those buildings anyway. So you've actually hotelized mediocre accommodations <laughs> and paid just as much for them, and you have no one to call you a cab. You have no one telling you the best restaurants or helping you get into a good restaurant. It's just such a unexpected and unknown subpar experience. Like you can leave and think again, you, that you had a good trip, but like the difference between good and great is so non-apparent to the average traveler. And that's where the articulation comes into play. And again, like a compare and contrast marketing approach, I think is really great. I've just seen that more and more with Airbnbs and influencers. Their affiliate marketing must be like doing something. I saw a really, really impactful one recently for AI and for VRBO on a travel influencer that has a huge following. And of course, her VRBO looked perfect and beautiful and it was spectacular. And I'm like, that sounds great. But what people don't realize is that people see Tuscan, it was a a Tuscan villa. And I'm like, they don't realize that they had to have a car and self-drive and they might have gotten lost along the way because they 
aren't going to be able to walk to the grocery store or a restaurant. There's so many things that go into the logistical components of making something look beautiful. I just saw someone that rented a car and self-drove to Amalfi and she's <laughs> she's a travel influencer. And I was like, oh, bless it. You can only imagine that like, yes, on the outside, it's like, wow, this is incredible. And like, this is so awesome. And then internally, they're like screaming at each other and so scared because it's the most terrifying drive oh, ever. I remember we were driving to Ravello, me, my sister, and my mom. We weren't driving, we had a driver, but we were going up this steep little hill. And all of a sudden, around the corner comes this huge herd of sheep coming down the mountain. And I was like, where am I? I have the video on my phone and it's like the funniest thing, but it was five minutes of just straight sheep around our car. And we're just like, what is this? And the driver's like, yeah, you have to be kind of be careful because this like does happen. And I'm like, oh my God. Could you imagine if you were just like cruising and like plow through some sheep? That would be horrible. Not to mention one, there was recently, this is very sad, but there was a death on the way to Ravello for a transfer driver. Like he knew what he was doing and still had a situation, but also you don't get to enjoy the views. There's no enjoyment of those dramatic views. Like to be able to offload that and to be able to enjoy where you're at, that's the difference. Anyway, we're preaching to the choir. Like everyone on this call or everyone on this podcast like knows they're like, yeah, we know. That's why we do what we do. Stop telling us what we do, our, how we do our job. I feel like this is almost like a vent stash a little bit. Yes. So the other thing, obviously, this seamlessly leads into saving someone from stress. Like we know that that could have saved someone's stress. It could have saved them time because a driver knows where they're going and can get you there, know where to park. I think parking is the biggest misnomer. Remember when we parked outside of Siena and that was fine, but we were like trekking up a hill in the middle of June. Again, it's added stress because we're like, is the car going to be here when we get back? Like, did we really park in a tow zone? Like, all of that is added stress that was in the back of our heads as we're walking the streets. That's just weird stress sitting over my head while I'm on vacation. I always think of that too. Even when Hunter and I were planning our trip to Italy this earlier this year, it was like we could have rented a car in Tuscany. I think I would have felt comfortable with it, but there's just so many things where it's like, why? (laughs) At the same time, like, why worry about a car when we don't have to? Why worry about parking? Why worry about like anything like that? Especially in a place we don't really know. So that- of the fights you save, you were saved from. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing, especially if you're with your kids. Why give yourself unnecessary stress that could ruin a half a day because you couldn't find parking and then you had to drop someone off and then you had to find them and you don't have data so you can't call them. Like all of these things, it's just like a perfect recipe for- disaster. And it's the unknown that's hard to tell people like the what if. I think that's it is like, how do you articulate the what if people know the luxury of booking a travel advisor? A lot of the time though, they don't realize that having the luxury of booking a travel advisor doesn't mean they can only book luxury with a travel advisor. That's also where you have to articulate your value is I define luxury based off of my client's version of luxury, if that is how you define it. I mean, some people are truly like they only want to sell five-star and that's great. But there, I believe genuinely in my heart of hearts that there's a travel advisor for every person on the planet if people understood what they could save themselves from either monetarily or emotionally. Well, during the trip, but also on the front end of the trip. Like I had so many friends when I was booking travel and it's like, I'm going to do my honeymoon myself because like I'm a type A and I just, I love planning. And I'm like, that's fine. But like, who has the time? Like, I always think about the time I, I hardly have time for lunch anymore. You know what I mean? (laughs) I have to like pick up or get groceries delivered to my house because like, or, or else me and Hunter will probably go hungry. There's so many things where I'm just like my brain and my family and my business, it requires like so much of my brain and time. I'm not able to put the proper amount of research and effort into planning because number one, it doesn't calm me down at the end of the day to like look up trip stuff. And it might be for somebody else that probably is for Jen. She's like, oh, I love that. I mean, even the smallest things, I don't think I would ever bought unless it, you know, it is like a domestic trip that I've been to a million times or something like that. But I mean, there's very rarely a time when I think me and Hunter will travel 
anywhere where we're investing like an amount of money without Jen's help or some other advisor's help because it's just, I don't have the ability to make this a perfect vacation that I want it to be when I get there during the day while balancing my business and whatever, becoming a new mom and like all of the things that are coming up in life. I don't have the time anymore to do stuff like that. Well, even like I just, again, this goes to your communication with someone is that I just believe that you're not outsourcing the decision-making. You're outsourcing the stress of compiling into a seamless process. So it's really powerful to make sure that people know they still have the decision-making power. They can still come to the table with ideas. You're there to complement their ideas Because Robin, like you still had to make decisions and you were like, um, like you decide this, you know, like there were certain things where you were like, I like this versus I like this. And I, I even have a friend who's working with a travel advisor right now that I referred her to. And she's like, I love your opinion on this. And some people just still like, she loves researching. She loves looking at the hotel pictures, but she doesn't know the context of what she's researching. She's just looking at amenities at this point and the room style and like, yeah, it looks beautiful. I can't wait to go. And she's definitely going to like research restaurants because that's what she does. But at the end of the day, she's able to know like, I can throw these ideas out there and she's going to tell me what's good and what's not good. And that's where I think it's just consider yourself a sounding board. Don't get frustrated when people actually have ideas. They don't know if they're good or bad, but you can talk through like what they mean to you. So if someone does want that villa, for example, if someone's like, oh, actually, we're going to do a VRBO in Tuscany, so I don't need that planned. I saw it on this influencer's site. You know, it looks great. I'm going to do it. It opens up the opportunity for you to say, okay, what is it about that experience that you like? Because it's going to tell you something else about what they want out of their trip. And you can help manage their expectations. And you're probably going to convert them to a maisonette at Borgo Pignano or something because you can be like, well, do you want to self-drive? Do you want to be able to have food and room service? And if they're like, yeah, I didn't think about all that, you're able to convert them in a better way. So it does boil down to listening and interpreting the why behind what they're drawn to, even if it's not the same end result that you would have picked out because you can glean a lot from it. And maybe they'll still go that way. Maybe they're still going to go with the VRBO. They understand the risks or their parents paid for it and started book. Who knows? But you can still share in a way that doesn't kind of like put the kibosh on their enthusiasm, but leads you to them the next time around. Yeah. I think when people think like, oh, a travel advisor (laughs) is planning my trip, it's like they're the final say. And it's like, no, you know, it's just like a personal shopper. They're going to give you recommendations. And then like you are ultimately being like, yes, this dress is what I want to spend my money on. So that's another opportunity for education on our end and the marketing and like the messaging of our services to people is like, you're empowered to still have the vacation of your dreams. I'm empowered to help make that your reality. Because I always think I'm like, yeah, you can plan and like you can find the perfect hotel, but like the logistical pieces of like getting you there and having an enjoyable experience while you're there, that those are like the things where I'm like, look, I don't like that kind of stuff. Like I just want like, yeah, I want to pick my hotels, but like Jen's the one who can actually make it one of those oh, like now it's a full trip and like my flights are there and now I have a driver and when I'm waiting on me when I get through customs and like all that nice stuff that's impactful. I'm just going to go back to Airbnb and VRBO for a second because I'm like, they don't turn down your room and I just, I will never go on vacation without turn down service. No. And I, like we had a bottle of water incident in, in Florence where we were like, we need water. And like, Okay, we were at a hotel that wouldn't bring it to our room, which is a whole different story and anger management. Like, I feel like I'm in therapy for it. But if you're in an Airbnb, no one's going to have water for you. No one's coming for you. No one's saving you. What about at night when you like just want a bottle of Prosecco to wind down? You have to drive all the way to town to get a bottle of Prosecco and like a cannoli? That sounds horrible. Why not just come in service? Whatever. It's fine. I'm Sometimes just... you just want a cannoli, you know? Sometimes you just want like, I don't know, tiramisu, anything like gelato, something. I don't know, whatever. But also I think with like the time and the stress saving, being able to support someone in travel and provide that level of like, because things go wrong. That's travel, right? Like, I mean, anything that can go, what's that Murphy's law? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. 
that's inevitably going to happen. And when you don't have like the support, I think it's a lot easier for things like that to derail everything versus it being a blip on the radar where it's like, oh yeah, our flight got canceled, you know, heading to Rome and we easily were rerouted through Miami instead of JFK and it ended up being totally fine. Whereas like if I would have had to deal with that on my own, it would have probably just been like, well, let's just cancel our trip because I can't even deal with this right now. Um, You also would have been on hold for hours because everyone else had gotten canceled too. And we had used a consolidator and you were able to tell them exactly what you wanted and they reticketed you because you had the emergency hotline number. 100%. And we're recording this at the end of June where there are like literally ground stops across the nation going on right now. Like I can't, where people are literally in the, in the airport on a Tuesday and not able to get out until next Tuesday. So it's like being stranded somewhere for seven days. At least having an advisor, you're able to get different options. Like you're able to not be on hold with Delta United, Southwest, whoever, for five hours out of your day. And you know what I mean? It's just so many things where I'm like, yes, the planning is fun. The unplanning and the replanning in in travel is not fun. And that's like not the things I love to like advertise that I do for people because it's, you know, obviously stressful on us, but it's what keeps us in business. Like as hard as it is and as much as you want to like alleviate that for all clients because you personally don't want to deal with it. Like you can't sometimes. And that's when the real value is flexed and your authority is flexed for clients where they like become just total fans because you're able to help them through those things. This is why I always send a testimonial request for people that I, even if their trip was canceled, like I send it if I know the outcome was good because they knew I did everything possible. Like for example, that client that had to cancel, but they got everything back except for their insurance costs. Like I send them a testimonial form because that is a positive outcome. And I would rather my reviews all reflect when things went wrong and I was there for them rather than like everything was beautiful because I think it's very easy to assume that you can make your own beautiful trip. It's very hard to understand that almost every trip in the world is going to have some kind of obstacle that you have to overcome. And it's a lot easier when someone's your ally and in your corner. And very rarely is the influencer going to tell you like, oh, all of these things went wrong on my trip. And here's how I had to troubleshoot. Especially if they're contracted to promote something. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, you're not, you're getting, again, you're getting that paid review. So literally, The next thing is also an obvious one. It's building the relationships. And this is where, as an advisor, you do have to put in some investment and some extra time because this isn't just something that you can like wear like a badge of honor and say, like, but I'm a travel advisor. It's my job to, you know, save your trip if something goes wrong. I'm there for you 24 seven and I have better rates than you or like all of those things that are easy. I think for every travel advisor in the world to say what really differentiates people is their relationships that they've fostered across the globe. And that was my favorite thing was like knowing that I could go to almost any country and be like, I can meet up with someone and create a lasting relationship that's mutually beneficial for both of us. And that's really beautiful. And that may mean going to ILTM or Pure or LA Miami or GTM, Cruise World, whatever your niche is, build the relationships so that, again, when the things do go wrong, you have an in with someone and you're at the front of the line to fix that problem. Also, get your commission faster if you are struggling to get it. That's not a client-facing issue, but also make you look really spectacular because if you've made relationships or if you have contracted relationships because you're in the Bellini Club or anything like that, you know the difference of being on the hot list and in a hotelier or a vendor knowing that your relationship holds more weight. And ultimately, what relationship holds more weight is the people that pour into each other. It's not about your pre-negotiated consortium affiliation, which a lot of the times that's definitely a step in the right direction. I'm not saying that's not, but people are what make the world go round in the travel industry and you investing in yourself, investing in your clients to step outside of your everyday and focus on events, fams, self-guided fams, whatever it may be, 
with your niche and those that are really going to benefit you. I'm not saying going go on every fam. Robin and I do not condone that. Go on fams and go to shows that match your clientele or your desired clientele and build the relationships that are going to make you look really good. I was just thinking the other day about the trips that I planned in the beginning and how embarrassing it was because I just like actually thought that I could do it all myself. And I am mortified with what I know now and how certain trips could have been so much better. And I'm like, those people still spent $12,000 with me. And I just could have like really leveled up if I knew what I knew now. But I mean, everyone has to start somewhere. Everybody does have to start somewhere. And then comparison is thief of joy. All the things that everyone always tells you to never. (laughs) All like the, what are those called? Little antidotes or quotes that people are like, oh, don't worry. I mean, that's why we started Teak was because we didn't want people to have such a long lead up of embarrassing moments. (laughs) Like like you're going to have some. It's just like kind of rite of passage. And I don't mean that in a hazer mentality way. I just mean like you have to stumble before you run. It's just any career that you ever have. But there are so many resources, I think, for the industry now and will include ourselves that allow you to know what not to do and the resources to pursue so that you can learn the right way or a better way for you before you have to learn a very, very hard way. Cause we've probably learned that hard way for you. We did. And we might've lost money along the way doing it. So don't do that. Yeah. And I think the final point when coming and people are like, you know, asking about the value of your services and stuff, there's always that like cost consideration, right? Like people and it's always been like this. I think at least it was when I was in the inter- like booking travel that people just didn't really have an understanding of like how it is that we got paid and like how it is we made it. And, and for whatever reason, it was very, I don't think it's nearly as like not as transparent. It used to be like very like a guarded secret. Like you don't need to know how I make money. Just yeah. me. And that was like very weird for me as like a person. Not your concern, Brenda. Ask <laughs> me how I make money. That's so gauche. Like, That's not the case anymore. I think people are pretty open about like how commissions are paid out. At least I always was on my sales calls and stuff and just giving people the idea. But I think tackling those misconceptions on the front end that like working with a travel advisor is more expensive than, you know, booking online, which in some instances it is, but in most instances, it's really not because of like the potential cost of errors, honestly. And because we get those like you know, rates through our consortia or our hosts and like all of the perks that come with your partnerships, like Jen was saying, and like the relationships that you have with like suppliers around the world. Ultimately, I think it ends up leveling out in the end. So making sure that you kind of address those. Yes. If you're charging a planning fee, which you should because your value, <laughs> your expertise is valuable, but charging it, like making sure that that's laid out up front and what that planning fee includes, what it does not include and being very clear and not not leaving them guessing. Because I think that's when people get weird is when they're like, well, I don't really know what this is going for. So making sure that that's like clearly outlined for people, I think is huge. And to bring it back to the original point, it's because we live in the age of information. We have to be so much more transparent And that's why planning fees are a good thing because you actually never have to explain the commissions as much because you don't have to justify why you sent someone a certain hotel because they're immediately going to doubt like we all know that like sandals, if you've ever sold sandals, they have a very high commission rate. So obviously there are advisors that like put all their eggs in one basket with sandals because they're like, I know I'm going to get a good return on this and they do what they do very well. So I'm going to promote this as a product. And they kind of like, that's their repertoire. That's They've got the wrap on the card, the whole shebang. And when you charge a planning fee, you take the question of motivation out of it because now they know, okay, I've compensated them for their time. So there's almost this unspoken understanding, like then they're not going to have to be product motivated. They're going to be motivated to me. They're working for me. It's kind of the difference between a client and a customer. A customer works with you, a client, you work for a client. So just defining that client-customer relationship by having the planning fee, I think is a major mind shift that allows someone to feel like you have their best interests in mind automatically. 100%. That was a lot. I also, I just feel that this question never feels like it gets easier to answer because the answer is always changing. 
because the industry is always changing. So two years ago, my answer would have been COVID related. Now it would be very different. It would be about, you know, the flight ground stops and how I saved someone from missing their entire vacation and how I had encouraged this insurance policy that allowed them to shift completely different airlines that weren't in the ground stop. So always make sure that you're updating your anecdotes, if you will, and make sure that your clients are understanding the current value that you can offer them and adjust your marketing. Just don't assume like what Robin said in the beginning, don't assume anyone knows what you do. Don't assume that they know the benefit. Don't assume that they think there's a better way to plan when they've had great trips on their own. It comes down to education and approaching sales as a very educational thing. I mean, it's collaborative. It's approachable. Just be real and people work with people at the end of the day. In practice, like if you can't sell yourself on your own value, then you're not going to be able to sell anybody else. So I think if like, you do get to this question and you're like, it trips me up every time I come off sounding unconfident in myself and I hate that, then that's like the sign that like, let's sit down and look at your messaging. Let's look at your actual sales pitch and let's perfect that because you're never going to think of something great on the spot. Like you have to have that almost like elevator pitch in the back of your mind where you're like, these are the points I need to cover right here. So And if you're like, dang, I need to do that, please stay tuned to our social media and join Mm -hmm. the list because there might be a little something, something that we're doing for our community coming up. If you're listening to this at the time of release, you have tuned in at the perfect time. We are providing you with a sales objections playbook through the link in our show notes. This is a freebie that you are going to want to snag immediately copy and paste this right into your email templates for future use, make a sticky note out of it, whatever you do, keep it on hand so that you can tackle those objections with ease. So if you have ever or currently do struggle with words to use when a client pushes back on your process before converting to a client, this is the perfect download to have on hand. Head on over to the show notes and snag your copy today. Thank you for joining another episode of Teak Talks. If you're loving our content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. So head on over to Apple Podcast, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.